My guest on this week's episode of Sudden Search is Tina Fleming, strategy manager at DesignZilla. Tina is an in-demand conference presenter, a veteran digital marketer, and a brilliant and hilarious podcast guest. Tina joined me from her pool, drink in hand, to chat about her recent MozCon speech. The speech starts out by recapping the data loss that's occurred over the past couple of years. From the iOS 14.5 update to the upcoming GA4 conversion, digital marketers are finding it more and more challenging to get the data we so desperately want. What tools are still available to collect data? How are 70 marketers navigating this ever-changing environment? How do you balance competing customer demands for greater privacy and greater personalization? I'm going to ask Tina these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Tina Fleming. We'll chat about how to foster collaboration with sales, her deep hatred for long forms. We'll spend a little time chatting about her new online course, Conversion Academy. All right, Tina, welcome to Susan Search. How are you? Things awesome. look great right now. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm just chilling in my Florida home, living it up. <laughs> You're staying cool, I can see. That's awesome. Yes, always. Well, you, uh, I have much to talk to you about. You were a big hit at MozCon. Thank and you. And I want to ask you about your speech. You know, one of the things, it's really a lot about data, how to uh, you know, be a data-driven marketer in this day and age. Yep. I've been doing this podcast for a few years now. Like most of 2020 and 2021, maybe even if I get the timing right, there were so many people who came on talking about iOS 14, a cookie-less world, and an end to data as we know it. Right. Uh, then it sort of calmed down. I guess there's like dust settling. The cookie thing is pushed out to 2024. And you know, as somebody who really gets into this data stuff, how would you sum up these last two to three years? And what's the latest as we sit here today, and we're filming this in July of 2022, yep. late July. Um, where, where do we sit today in terms of data collection? Yeah, I mean, the last I heard, it got pushed back again. Um, so it's been a lot of, over the past few years, a lot of hurry up and wait. I know when it first was announced, we all freaked out a little bit. We were all kind of like, oh, man, like, what are we going to do with this? Um and the first thing we did was start Googling it, obviously, because that's what we always do. Um, and it was kind of a race to the top of the SERP with all of these updates. Everyone's kind of posting the rumors. And I always find it really difficult to trust what I find when news breaks like that. I kind of have to find a few different sources before you know, we make our own opinions on it. Um, and so we tried to inform all of our partners as much as we could and kind of just stay up to date with what the latest was. But from what we've seen, it's really a lot of hurry up and wait, just see what you can do to future proof what you're doing right now. Um, so we started looking into other options. Um, we are still using cookies like a lot of people are, um, but we are also looking into IP address data and other types of ways that you can collect data um, other databases that you can use in order to get more information about your user without pulling it from, you know, behind the scenes or using cookies and following all of that um, across different, you know, across the web. So what we've been doing is a lot of research and figuring out what kind of tools are out there, what kind of people have already been doing this type of thing, um, you know, for a long time, because there are companies who you know, before iOS 14 was even announced that they were already using IP data for this kind of stuff mm -hmm. instead of cookies. So it's not a new concept. It's just kind of a new necessity. Um, and so 
what we found is that there are a lot of options out there. So what we use right now is um, we use Clearbit combined with our HubSpot CRM. And we use that to um, not only figure out who's on our website, the unknown visitors right now, but also enriching the CRM data that we already have. Okay. All right. Well, listen, this is like, that's the other thing that's coming down, down the pike here is that GA4, like everybody's talking about this now. Yes. And basically no one I know of is happy about this. Right. But uh, it's coming. I wonder, a lot of marketers watching this show, I don't remember this level of chaos early in my career. Uh, <laughs> there was just a whiplash about losing data or changes to how you get data or needing to like uh, to find new ways. Do you think that for the foreseeable future, a part of our job is just to get used to this level of, uh, of constant change? Oh, yeah. This is totally. Gonna be, this is going to Okay. Yeah, I feel like if you don't have at least a dedicated department at your um, you know, your business for staying on top of those kind of changes, like some kind of innovation department or, you know, like staying on the bleeding edge of the new tools that are coming out. Because as marketers, a lot of the stuff that we know isn't going to change. And what I mean by that is like the principles behind it, not the tools, the tools are always going to change, but the principles of how to sell um, and how needing to constantly think out of the box and understanding what the box is like what parameters are you working within and then when the box changes how do you get outside of that even further um so what we've really been doing is just buckling up <laughs> and understanding that you know we don't have to be the first person to figure this out but we need to take the time to learn how to do it correctly so we've been doing a progressive approach to getting everybody to ga4 at our agency, we still use universal analytics. We're collecting data through both um, platforms, but we're right. also using other tools to supplement that because there's limitations to GA4 and there's limitations to once that actually transitions over, you're going to lose a lot of your data um, unless you upgrade and you know use a paid tool. So we're finding other ways. Um, we actually use a tool called Funnel.io that we're using for our, like just combining all of our analytics across different data sources. Um, but I was talking to Dana at MozCon about this when we were backstage uh, doing like the tech rehearsal and everything. She is amazing with GA4. She has a um, plug for her, even though it's not my thing. Um, she has a LinkedIn course, a couple of them where she talks about how to actually get started on GA4. And that is the first thing I did when I got back from MozCon. I was like, all right, team, like somebody out there is like really killing it with GA4. And yeah, we all hate it <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a little bit misunderstood, but I also think it's in the early stages. Um, and I don't know what your experience with GA4 has been, but it really feels developer focused. Like it's made for developers instead of marketers which is a problem when you are, you know, a team of marketers and you have to go outside of your team to be able to use a tool that you used to be able to use really easily within the team. So I feel like it really just shows kind of the transition that the industry has been making over time that it's not just, um, you know, marketers had, maybe we wore 10 hats before and now we have to wear 15. It's just growing as tools come out, new methods come out. 
you have to really expand your skill set um, and not even just a T-shaped marketer where you're really deep in one area. You really have to get even deeper across the board um, if you want to stay on the cutting edge of these things. So it's challenging for sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, no question. And I, I think it's, that's really good advice and a challenge for everybody who's, who's in marketing. You know, one of the, one of the takeaways from the speech and I could tell your passion for this one was uh, almost palpable. Like there must've been some trauma in your uh, professional life <laughs> with very long forms, like super, super long oh, forms yeah. must, must have uh, given you like some psychological uh, you know, trauma at some point. <laughs> You, you mentioned that shortening forms can lead to doubling your conversion rate yeah. and that there is, a, you know, if there is some data loss to not take that out on the, the users to your website with some super long form, like to, to come up with more creative ways to, to solve that problem. Yeah, ex explain how shortening forms and why this, this topic in particular was so important to you. Oh yeah. So when, um, you know, we don't just do SEO. So I, started off um, in digital marketing, really focusing on SEO. And that was something that I was really passionate about in the beginning. Now we're really focusing in on conversion marketing. So we're all about conversion rate optimization. And like, that's our thing. And we're really good at it. Um, one of the things that we found is when you're working with a marketing and a sales team, there is a need to have the most qualified leads possible when you are converting. So it's like, okay, great. Give me a hundred leads, but they weren't very good leads. What am I going to do with those? So you want to get better quality leads. And there's a lot of different arguments for this. Um, one of the ways that sometimes sales teams, they really want more information through the form. So they want to know the address or the phone number and all these other um, data points about the user that sometimes they're not ready to give up. That's something that you need to really build a relationship with them first before you get that information. So, um, you know, sometimes sales teams want to add a ton of fields to the form. That's a really common pain point. They're like, why don't we just add, you know, can we have like a 10 form or a 10 field form? And then the marketing team is like, ah, please don't do that. <laughs> so when you're working in marketing, you have to know, you know, how to work well with sales teams and understand that they do have this need um, a lot of times, you know, the sales team is going to be commission based. So if they don't get good leads, they're not going to close the leads and that affects their lifeblood. So um, we really want to make sure whatever form fields we're using, we want to find a healthy balance between the number of form fields and then selecting really wisely which form fields are going to be on that form. Um, the magic number that we have found is between three and four. A lot of studies will say that four is a good number. Um, but we like to reserve at least one of those for some kind of open question, like a paragraph type field where you can just let the user really give you some good qualitative data. Um, you want to be able to understand what challenges are they experiencing and how can we help you and give them the opportunity to provide some context to why they're filling out that form. And that can really help with your uh, lead qualification process. So that's why it's such a it's a such an item for me that I'm like no <laughs> we're not doing a 12 field form because <laughs> it just the conversion rate is going to be bad. Well, I love it, and so like that's that's a big takeaway. More than four fields in your form uh, going to have negative consequences to that. So 
Uh, you mentioned balancing act. I, there's another balancing act I can think of when it comes to the sort of data conversation that we're having. Um, and this is a frustrating part for me. So first, there's an increasing desire from users to have more and more personalization. Yes. And you have made a really impressive case in your in your uh, presentation about how important that personalization is to these users. Right. But they also want more and more privacy from big technology companies who give us yeah. that sort of <laughs> Those two things are at odds with each other, right? Like that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. How do we balance, um, you know, the need for privacy and the need for demands from really for more personalization to make sure that the user doesn't find our approach too aggressive or too impersonal? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I feel like that's the big question because when it comes to users wanting a personalized user experience, a lot of the time, you know, they don't necessarily always want it to be like, hello, user, thank you for coming to this page. We know everything about you. Here's all your information. Like, that's like, if you went up to a human, if I just came up to you, Mark, and I was like, hey, Mark, I know everything about you. And here's everything you like, you'd be turned off by that. You'd be like, oh, this person's kind of weird. So yeah. You have to really find a balance. I feel like it works best um, in a B2B setting. I feel like B2C, that can get a little creepy. You don't want to be shopping for shoes and somebody says like, hey, Mark, what size? You know, like we don't even have to have, ask you what size shoe you are because we already know. And like that can get um, a little creepy if you don't already have an account with, you know, that website. But um, in a B2B setting, I feel like it can be done really subtly um kind of the um the example if you remember from my presentation where it was on optimizely they were targeting adidas so it wasn't just like hey adidas come to our site and fill out our form it was really talking to the um, company adidas and specifically the marketing team at adidas because if you're on optimizely.com you're going to have some kind of marketing background now once you're on that site Optimizely is saying, hey, Adidas, we understand who your target audience is and what kind of challenges that they're experiencing. And because Optimizely has expressed that empathy with the marketing team at Adidas, the marketing team at Adidas is going to feel a lot more comfortable using Optimizely as a tool because they see them as a leader. So where we've seen a lot of success in this um, B2B optimization is for marketing our own agency. Because wouldn't you want your agency to be that high tech and that intelligent in order to find out that information so that you can do the same to your own users when you're performing your marketing activities? So it's not the right fit for every business, but it is a really good fit, especially if you have a marketing focused persona. All right, I like it. And I mean, I think one of the things, even on this call or even on this interview, I've stayed with you on everything. Then you mentioned some tools, and I don't know what you're talking about. And it, this okay. happened in the speech. Like, there are three tools that you say that are essential for the job. Yes. One of them is obvious. Like, everyone knows what a CRM is. That's HubSpot, uh, Salesforce, yep. your, your favorite. Um, but the other two tools are like, I don't know if I, I've had my, I haven't been doing enough research or what, but what is a data activization platform? Yeah. And so what is a personal And how do they complete the... The, the task at hand. Yeah, totally. So it's really interesting. MozCon in particular, that's a big SEO audience. Everybody in the audience is going to either be at least a little bit familiar with SEO, 
usually more than not, they're going to be experts in SEO. So what's really cool when you come in with some conversion rate optimization tactics to an SEO conference, when you throw out tool names like that, they're like, oh, I haven't seen this before because that's not necessarily the specialty. So for us, that's kind of like bread and butter. But when you go into different specialties like that, um, it you know, a tool that you use very frequently becomes really, really cool looking to the first, you know, first time you're seeing it. Um, and that's how, you know, we felt when we first saw those tools and we're looking into everything during iOS 14 announcements. So the thing about data activation platforms, they range a lot. Um, you've got uh, the one we use is called Clearbit. And what that does is it is a data source. It's just an additional data source. Like if you were going to hook up some information to your Google Data Studio report. You're gonna hook up your Google Ads information. You're gonna hook up your Google Analytics information. And those are all different data sources. So Clearbit is also a data source. Um, and you can use that data and uh, get access to it, play around with it in the actual platform itself, or you can connect it, you can integrate it with your CRM. Um, or your personalization tool. So a data activation platform is going to source data, and it's going to sort it, and then it's going to um, make it accessible and clean it and all that good stuff so that it actually can be used. Um, and so Clearbit uses IP address data. So that's like, okay, you live at, um, you know, your address. You, your IP address is very similar, where it's able to say, okay, this user is at, you know, this address with this Wi-Fi hookup and all of that. And we also know, based on activities, um, forms that they filled out, and other publicly available data sources, that that IP address is associated with a particular business that someone might work at, or a particular role, or, you know, that kind of thing. So. My IP address, if you put it into our data activation platform, it knows that I work at DesignZilla's. It won't tell you my name, so I'm anonymous still, but it tells you, oh, strategy manager at DesignZilla's, uh, and then it gives you all of DesignZilla's information. So it'll say DesignZilla's has this many employees, has this much revenue, has, you know, is in this industry. And so you're able in a B2B marketing plan, able to go after that user based on all those parameters and target them. So one way that you can do that and provide that personalized experience is by using a personalization tool. So you had your data activation platform, that's the source of the data that helps you kind of de-anonymize your traffic without actually telling you the person's name. So it's all, you know, safe. Um, then you have your personalization tool. So one of the big tools that a lot of people use is Optimizely, and that's the one that I showed in the um, example at MozCon. That's a really big one, but there are cheaper versions to that that do pretty much the same thing, and it really depends on what you're looking for. So for us, most of the time, we can do the simple stuff that works with Google Optimize, which is the free version of Optimizely, basically like off-brand. Um, so what that does is you can actually edit dynamically the content on your website or on a pop-up or like any kind of um, you know, marketing deliverable online that you can think of. So you would connect your domain um, and you integrate that with Google Optimize. Super easy setup. And then you select, okay, on our homepage, I want to run an A-B test. 
I want to test this background photo versus this other background photo. And you can do that one test where you're just testing out different versions of a photo. Um, and a really common one that people use as an example of an A-B test is like the button color on your CTAs um, or your headlines. So you can do that in Google Optimize, but there's a different type of experience that you can run in Google Optimize that people don't really know about as much. And that is actually the personalization experience. So in that, you use a little bit of JavaScript, use some kind of data source like Clearbit, data activation platform. And you can actually put in, um, similar to how you do like smart content in an email, like the personalization tokens where it's like, hey, first name, da 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 da. You can do that in Google Optimize with the data source and some JavaScript that will dynamically display that kind of token on your actual web page itself. So if you have a data source that has a thousand different attributes, you can use a thousand different types of tokens. We use Clearbit, which is about a hundred different attributes. Um, and the other thing you want to know about the different data activation platforms is that they're going to have different levels of accuracy and, um, you know, how precise they are or how often they get updated. So the one that we use Clearbit, that one, I think it's about a 40% accuracy. So, you know, it's hit or miss. Um, you definitely want to have some kind of fallback token. So if you were going to do email marketing and you have in your subject line, hey, first name, you want to have some kind of fallback if you didn't have that data point, if you weren't able to actually pull out somebody's first name in that example, you'd want to say like, hey there, instead of, hey, Mark, because then it looks right. a little weird if you just have a big gap. So yeah, it's pretty cool. We nerd out on it all day. Like I could go on. <laughs> Well, what I like about it the most is I think that you probably are like very popular with salespeople because oh, yeah. you'll, you'll like, you're not just going to be like the, the marketer who goes like, I got your leads. What Your happened? job to close um, them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to be kind of like this big help. You know, like how, how did the services you're talking about make that relationship more collaborative? I, I could, I could oh, see yeah. them, but you know, curious what you curious what you would say. Yeah. No, for sure. We are, that's one of like, I think is something that really stands out about us as an agency because you have like an SEO firm, you have a CRO firm, but one of our big selling points, honestly, and what I think people get the most out of when they are working with us is we are not just a vendor. We don't just, you know, take orders and say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. We really, um, we pride ourselves on providing that partnership where we're recommending things. And sometimes if you don't like them, we're going to push back, you know, we're going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Um, so when it comes to the sales process and we're working with sales teams, we go ahead and we audit all of that. Even we don't just stop at the website. We look at your CRM and we're like, all right, how are your pipelines set up? You got your lead statuses all worked up. Um, you know, why, um, why are there closed deals that don't have a reason why they uh, were lost. Like things like that, where it's like, we need to get, make sure our data is clean in order for us to be a good partner. Um, so that's what we do on all of our consultations. When we check in and we're like, here's the results. It's not just, here's a hundred leads that we sent. Did you close them? It's how were the quality of the leads? Like what kind of questions are you getting? And it's really collaborative through that sales process. Um, because it's not enough to just stop at the SQL and call it a day. We want to know 
how qualified is that FQL? Um, and you can't just, yeah, you can't just say that you've done your job when it comes to delivering leads if they're not able to be closed. That doesn't help anybody. And then in return, because you're able to really close that loop with the sales team, you're able to, one, contribute to the bottom line and make sure that they can keep you on retainer. So that's really been a big strategy for us is just treating partners how we want to be treated because um, we want to know, you know, what's behind the curtain. And I feel like that's something everybody deserves to know if they're spending, you know, a considerable amount of money on something. So for sure. Yeah, no, no question. Well, I think it's all good stuff. I can tell you would be popular with our sales team. <laughs> I want to make a, uh, you know, kind of an abrupt turn into conversionacademy.org. Yes. This is an online course. It takes three weeks. It has four instructors. The lead instructor is Tina Fleming. So I, I think you are you are the lead instructor. But yeah. I, I this is very cool. It covers several topics, including goal setting, audience and persona discovery, research strategy, and much, much more. Tell our audience about the Conversion Academy. Where can they go to find it? And where can, how can they enroll? Awesome. Yes. Um, glad that you brought that up. We did just launch um, this month in July. It was a um, really exciting time at DesignZillas in July because we did MozCon, you know, all this stuff in Conversion Academy. So Conversion Academy, you can find us at conversionacademy.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Um, just anywhere, look for the Conversion Academy. So the first course that we've launched, we have more coming out this year, um, but the first one is called um, conversion funnel mastery. So why that is so important is because kind of everything we've talked about today, it's not just traffic. It's actually, how do you optimize conversions when somebody's actually in your funnel and how do you build that funnel out? So it starts out with KPIs and like, how do you set a goal? Um, how do you look at baseline data? How do you make sure the data that you're looking at is accurate? You know, how do you ask those hard questions and, figure out some of those most common mistakes when you're setting up Google Analytics and especially GA4. Um, then we go into personas, um, we go into SEO, keyword research, competitor analysis, wireframing your funnel, lead generation. And then what's really cool about the course that I think is a little bit more special than just a typical course uh, that you'd find in like some kind of academy is that you can actually submit your funnel strategy to us and we will critique it. So that's really like the big, um, you know, value that I see with this is that not only are you learning from these experts, they're all senior roles at our agency. It's the CEOs in it too. So it's not just, you know, some personalities we found online, like it's real tactics that we use at our agency. It's holistic digital marketing from traffic to conversions through the sales funnel, all that. Um, and then you get to actually submit the, workbook that you've been working on the whole time. So you got templates, um, there's worksheets and all that. You submit it to us and then we critique it, give you some feedback on that. Um, so it's really a great opportunity to collaborate with some, you know, industry experts, get some real feedback. Um, and it is actually on sale right now, I think through July. So today's the 29th. It's on sale through July 30th. Um, it usually goes for $8.99, but we have it on sale for 349. Um, I'm also going to have a coupon just for this show 
So I'll do another 40% off code. We have to name it though. We have to figure out what the coupon name is going to be. What should it be? Should it be Mark? Yeah, cools and palm trees. That's not all I can think about. But yeah, Mark and Ted, yeah, something like that. Um, we'll just do pools and palm trees yeah. for 40% off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I think we should do SUDS. Um, SUDS is easy. S-U-D-S. I like it. That's easy to remember, and it's not as many. Not as, as many, many characters. That's, that's very, very generous of you. Thank you very much for, for offering that to our audience. Hopefully of course. We get some signups. Um. Well, listen, I'm so excited to, to talk to you. I really enjoyed the presentation. I think you guys are doing really good work. Good luck with everything over at the Academy. I hope Thank we can you. send some people your way. I am, uh, I'm going to let you get back to swimming, but for now, <laughs> I'm going to give you a virtual cheers. And I uh, hope to catch up with you on the road sometime, Tina. Like, cheers. This has been fun. Yeah, this has been great. For, for everybody else, we'll be back next week with another episode of Sudden Search. Thanks again, Tina. Thanks, Mark. Cheers.